Welcome to the Fit Aviators Club podcast, where aviation, fitness, and mindset meet to improve the balance of your health and quality of life in aviation. This is your host, Fernando Contreras, and let's get to it. Today's episode is brought to you by BJ Clean. We know how important it is to take care of our health, and that includes our skin. BJ Clean delivers body wash, shampoo, and beard cream that is sulfate and paraben-free. It's developed by former fighter pilots who were also part of the Thunderbird and fighter demo teams who are now giving the rest of aviation a healthy product that is not damaging to the skin, and we all know how important it is to take care of our skin while we're flying. Use code FIT15 at checkout at bjclean.com. All right. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Fit Aviators Club podcast. Today, we have an awesome and very special guest. We've been friends for a really, really long time. My good friend, Ricky Rodriguez. We have known each other since we were, what, probably like six or seven or something like that? Just about, yeah. Um, and then I think our relationship kind of more, I mean, I would say we became better friends during high school. I mean, you worked with my older brother at, you know, at some point, And I think as we both started our aviation journey is kind of when we started talking more. And now look at us now. We're both pilots. And uh, yeah, it's been cool since since that. So, yeah, it's it's really cool because also our our fathers flew together in Venezuela. Right. I don't know. Did they fly for the same airline? Um, they flew for the same. Actually, no, I think it was my grandfather that flew uh, for a similar airline. And then okay. they just had some sort of relationship, you know, digging back. And they're like, they became friends. But yeah. I don't know if they've yeah, ever yeah. flown together. But yeah, obviously, they've been friends. Um, and yeah, I mean, now look at us now. We're, we're, we're the know. product of them. I love it. I love it because in, in Venezuela, the airline world is 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 small, right? right? Everybody has a nickname for each other. And it was just funny because when, when we first met here in high school in Florida, living here now, uh, your your dad said my dad's uh, nickname, and then I knew your dad by his nickname. So it was like we never really knew, knew each other's dad's yeah, names. Yeah. But that's really really cool. So it's obviously you know coming from a family of of, of pilots, it's really nice to to be able to bond with aviation through the generations coming down. Uh, but Ricky, was was aviation was being a pilot something that you always wanted to do, or was there a transition point where? You thought you were going to do something and you wanted to be a pilot. How did it go for you? Uh, it's actually a funny story. So obviously growing up, uh, being introduced to aviation. So my grandfather was was a pilot as well over in Venezuela. Um, so my grandfather kind of started that legacy of, you know, the Rodriguez to go and go ahead and be pilots. So, yeah. you know, obviously growing up, my dad would tell stories about my grandfather, but I never got to meet my grandfather. He actually died in an airplane accident um, over in the Gulf of Mexico. So kind of a circle back of where I am now, and I'm sure we'll talk about and discuss a little bit, but long story short, yeah, my, my grandfather flew several, you know, legacy aircraft, and uh, at the same time, at one point of his career, when he started getting older, he started flying uh, experimentals or more of like crop dusters type, um, and he would actually transport them from, you know, Miami to Venezuela and back and forth, some of them over into Georgia, so back in the day when GPS wasn't necessarily a thing, right, so <laughs> here we are, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen the you know, children of the magenta. Yeah, right. yeah. So, <laughs> so back in the day, you know, they were all, you know, they'd fly up raw, you know, raw data, all needles. So, but GPS was starting to come online. My dad was like, Hey man, like take a GPS with you, take a GPS with you. And apparently my grandfather was very stubborn. So 
There he was, man. He went out uh, down in uh, towards the Gulf of Mexico. I think it was uh, Hurricane Gordon uh, over in the Gulf of Mexico was brewing. And he was uh, heading towards, I believe, Miami, departing somewhere near uh, Georgia area. And yeah, dude, I think he got lost. Maybe the wind shifted him more than he thought, didn't calculate necessarily. And um, at this point where he realized he was running out of fuel, I think there was a story is that he circled over an air, uh, a boat and he went to go ahead and ditch. Um, the Coast Guard ended up finding his body, which oh full circle God. to where my career is now. I'm in the Coast Guard. I'm you know rescuing lives. So comes full circle in that aspect of my life. Um, that story always kind of intrigued me. Doesn't necessarily influence where I'm at now, but... Yeah. Um, knowing that my grandfather was a pilot and then my father was a pilot, always growing up, seeing my dad come back from flying, wearing the uniform. I was like, man, this is the best job ever. Um, and then actually my, when I was 13 years old or actually sooner than that, my dad had gifted me flight simulator. So as a kid, it's not the flight simulator is now there's, you know, probably terrible (laughs) graphics back in the day, but there I was, man. That's how kind of, I got introduced to flying. And when I was 13 years old, my dad took me out on a Cessna. My birthday's around August. So it's hot as can be. There I am, and there's pictures of to prove it. And I'm just sweating, sweating in the little Cessna, and I get airsick, dude. The first time I ever oh, really? flew a plane, I threw up. I was in my dad when you know people nowadays back in the days to carry the camcorders. Yeah, he hands yeah. me his bag. I throw up in it, um, and that was my first flying experience. But I was always like intrigued, intrigued, and I think it was those classic like join the Marines, you know, join the Air Force kind of commercials. And, um, I was interested. I was like, okay, so I can be part of the, you know, the armed forces and I could be a pilot. How does that go about? And then my dad did his research asking his buddies. And then that's kind of how my path towards aviation began. It was a long process to where I'm at now, but that's kind of how I started going down that, that, you know, that route of maybe I could join the military. Maybe I could be a pilot and yeah, the rest is kind of history. Wow, dude. Even we've known each other so long. I did not know that story about your grandpa. That's it, it's crazy how it comes full circle that now you are a pilot in the in the Coast Guard. Uh, but I remember when we were when we were going through high school, we did have some talks like you always knew. And I always knew that um, we wanted to be involved in some some aspect in aviation. Uh, definitely, you know, more on the pilot side. But uh, was there ever a moment where you were like, Mm, maybe I might pursue something else besides being a pilot. Yeah, I would say it was mainly probably around my senior year of high school. Um, I was kind of teetering with the thought of, all right, um, am I going to go be a college basketball player? Am I going to go pursue something beyond uh, the sport of basketball? Um, Since I didn't really know much about the military, I'm first generation military. um, There wasn't much besides me being in the ROTC program at uh, in our, in our high school, Cypress Bay high school. So, um, I only knew kind of that aspect of it, but it was never really introduced to me at that point. Um, so yeah, my senior year of high school, I mean, I was playing extremely well and that's when kind of the offers started coming in, you know, anywhere from D2, D3 and the only D1 offer I got. And I, because I had told my high school coach, Hey, I think this military thing sounds kind of cool. What's the, what's the possibility of me joining an academy? And um, I don't know if you know Mark Jones. He's a, one of the NBA reporters. I used to play with his son. Okay. And um, he introduced me to the Air Force Academy basketball coach. He flew out, came to watch me practice, and I got an offer wow. um, to go play. But I guess back in the – I mean, I, I always say I'm not smart enough. It was basketball that got me into college. <laughs> um, so, But I ended up getting an offer to go to their prep school. And back in the day, looking back, it was for me, it sounded like an extra year of school. So – um, I turned down that offer, not necessarily because of an extra year school. It was just mainly when I got introduced to the Coast Guard Academy. I was like, this is what fits more of my personality, what I want to do in yeah. the future. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, I, I wanted to pursue the game of basketball and I was doing extremely well. 
And that's what it was. I started getting offers. I was visiting schools. I was like, maybe I'll just go be a basketball player and see how that goes. When things started mixing between going to a military academy and going to go play basketball on a full ride scholarship, I was like, I'm sold. So that's kind of how I ended up going to the Coast Guard Academy, going to play basketball for four years. And, and then, yeah. And then on top of that, they were like, well, you, you got trained mainly to go drive boats in the Coast Guard Academy, but there was that aviation aspect of it that still kind of lingered. And then finally, after so many years, I finally got to become a pilot in the Coast Guard. So that's, that's kind of what I was, it, it all kind of worked out, but my thought process was like, maybe let me try this basketball thing. And all three things combined kind of came together. And yeah. Well, that's, that's really cool. Cause you never know how things are going to play out in your life. And I, and I think that those paths in which you took was just the natural way for you to become and to be where, where you are are now but similarly I was pursuing that same thing but with baseball I was trying to get into college with baseball I was trying to see if like well what if I try to go this pro route with baseball so we share that mm-hmm. mentality of also trying to be a pro athlete and then we both end up flying planes but so tell me about your time in the in the academy you just mentioned that you you were trained to to drive boats. Um, how was was that primarily what you did during your four years at the academy? And then what did it take for you to get into that pilot slot that you are in now? Because I think there was some time that you said you wanted to try to pursue being a helicopter pilot. Mm-hmm. So t- tell me a little bit about how how that route once you got in the academy, how you went from boat to possibly helicopter to now the aircraft that you fly in. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the Coast Guard Academy in itself, it's, it's very competitive, um, in regards to who, you know, who they bring into the school. So, uh, for me, it was just mainly, you know, at high school, I think I took the SAT and ACT probably five times each. <laughs> I went through SAT classes. <laughs> like too, I said, I think it was, I think it was basketball mainly <laughs> inside, on top of o- academics that yes. got me into school. hundred percent. Yeah. But, um, so there I was, you know, um, you know, I was a 17 year old kid. I made the decision that I wanted to join the military. Um, and like I said, first generation, I don't know much about it. So there I am, what back in the day, I don't know what 2011 YouTube was, but there I was on YouTube (laughs) and, uh, looking up videos of kind of what it was. And and it seemed intense until I went to go visit the Academy and, um, everyone kind of gets privileges throughout the year. So I went to go visit through a program that they go ahead and allow civilians before they join the military to go stay at the school for a day and kind of see what the campus is like, campus life is like. And I mean, I'm a kid from Florida. I go all the way to Connecticut. This is New London, Connecticut. It's a whole small little town. Um, and dude, I swear to God, I was looking at some of these churches, buildings. They're very steep and tall. Look like I was in a Harry Potter movie. I, yeah. I, I, it was crazy. Um, but the campus in itself was absolutely beautiful. Yeah. You see everyone in the military. Everyone's, you know, marching. It's, it's very discipline driven. Um, but this was towards the tail end and everyone got their privileges. So you're living the life of a normal kind of college kid, mm-hmm. but you're just wearing a uniform. And I was like, oh, this sounds kind of, this is cool. Like yeah. I could totally I can do this. Like this. I can get yeah. used to this. <laughs> yeah. I get, you know, shown the, the, the basketball, you know, uh, court and you know, they're all, you know, trying to get me into the Academy and, and I'm like, this, this is, I could do this, you know, yeah. show up day one to just kind of fast forward. Cause I ended up signing with the Coast Guard Academy. I think when I signed with the Coast Guard Academy, I think a week or two later is when I got the air force Academy exception in the letter. And I was like, well, I made my decision now let's, let's roll with it. So yeah, I go up with my family and first day, man, like you're getting screamed at, you know, you're up against the wall braced, you know, at military attention. Um, you know, it's obviously, uh, they break you down and then build you back up, yes. um, kind of mentality. So yeah, man, you start from zero, you're a nobody, you kind of get erased as right. you know, like they shave your head, you kind of, 
you, you just start from scratch. You know, right. they start building that discipline from day one. So the whole aspect of boot camp is introduced the first seven weeks. It's actually the cadets running and train the junior cadets teaching the freshmen. Okay. But, you know, you can't address yourself in the first name. They call you Swab. You know, you're called Swab Rodriguez. So that, that was my name. Sick. You're eating your meals in a squared kind of manner. You're keeping your eyes on the boat. Wow. Um, so very robotic. You're, you know, walking in a, in a straight line, squaring your corners, marching with, you know, other crew members or your, your members. So, yeah, that was uh, it was a shock factor, um, yeah. I would say. Um, I wasn't the best at it. Obviously, I got in trouble a lot because of it. They were like, you know, keep your eyes on the boat. <laughs> So that was crazy, you know, and then, but then, then it starts the whole four year process and they're training you to get to the ultimate, um, goal of becoming a military officer in the coast guard. So you, you graduate with the bachelor's of science at the coast guard Academy, but you can, it is, it is a kind of like a college you can, or it is a college you take, you know, different, same credits as other schools. So Mm -hmm. you can graduate with, you know, um, like for me, it was business management. You can go be a civil engineer, mechanical engineer, but it's mainly based off the science, you know? So um, I was taking physics, chemistry, and then ultimately when I wanted to do my business major, that's where I went ahead and did that. But, um, every summer and it's all tailored towards, you know, doing the, the, you know, learning how the aspect of a boat works. So every summer you're going and, and learning how to do navigation and you're going through simulators and they put you on actual boats. So you go on the Coast Guard Cutter Eagle. It's a 295 foot wooden vessel that was from World War II in Germany. And you're learning how to sail um and then like certain summers they'll put you in an actual operational unit on a boat and you work kind of from the bottom up and be introduced to how the military structure of the coast guard is so um by the time i was now a senior at the academy you get the pick kind of where you want to go so they list certain things and aviation was number one. Oh, cool i was like 130 in my class out of 150 160 so definitely lower Meaning, bottom of okay, my class so class five, rank okay, yeah yeah it, so top 10 people or kind of within the top 15 got flight school. Um, it was, it was, um, I mean, not that I knew it was going to happen. I was like, let me shoot my shot. I want to be a pilot. Like, this is what I'm going to shoot for. This is what I'm, um, when I didn't get it, it was fine because now you've been trained to go ahead and be, you know, a a deck watch officer or an engineer on a boat. So deck watch officer mainly means, yeah, you, you are in charge. You represent the captain fully and you're navigating the boat through wherever they put you or where your boat navigates to. Wow. So mine yeah. was out of Hawaii. So my first oh, duty station right. out of the academy oh, was dude. out of Hawaii. Yeah, man. So it was funny because they listed this, you know, all these boats and they're like, this is what's available. And I'm looking up at the list and I'm like, Hawaii, but it's going to get decommissioned, meaning they're going to, you know, sell the boat off or they're going to, you know, sell it to another country. Yeah. So I'm like, well, it says it's about a year and a half. So it's, I would only be there for a year. I don't have to do the whole tour. And I tell my boys, I was like, you guys seen this right now? Like, why don't we all move to Hawaii right now and go ball out? Which is <laughs> yeah. what we did, dude. Oh we ended up living God, in a house dude. on the top of a mountain, wow. like overlooking Hawaii. Wow. Me and three, two of my best friends from college go down that's, there. We're on separate oh, boats. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah, man. but I worked on a 378 foot boat out of Hawaii, and we navigated through Alaska down to Hawaii for three months each. We were deployed every three months, and. Um, so yeah, long drawn answer, dude. But yeah, I learned how to drive boats first. And then it wasn't until helicopters were landing on the back of our ship. And I was called the uh, landing signaling, signaling, signaling officer. So the LSO. Okay. Okay. So I'm the guy in the back just kind of like bringing them in. Mm-hmm. You know, those guys, I'm sure. I mean, if people could. Kind of like the Like intro. Top Gun. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I'm yeah. the guy in the yellow suit oh, with the ass. helmet. And they're landing in front of my face. And wow. I mean, 
we're we're dealing with you know training or even actual live SAR cases, search and rescue cases. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'll never forget there was one case in particular. We were looking for a boat that was overturned um, because a lot of the times the winter time in Alaska. A lot of the sea spray comes onto the bow of the ship okay. and it, it destabilizes the boat because the boat freezes on the bow. So wow. um, we would actually have people on our boat go out with baseball bats and bash the ice off because it, it messes with kind of like the weight and balance Correct. of, of yeah. the ship. So yeah. this boat and that the, where we would operate, which was in the Aleutian Sea, so like the, the mm-hmm. Bering Sea kind of uh, um, up in Alaska is where the deadliest catch people are. They catch all oh, the fish. that's a badass So, show. like, I mean, we were meeting people out in the bar. These oh, guys are wow. the deadliest catch. Did you come out on TV? Yeah. Uh, no, I did not. No, no. <laughs> but um, but these guys, yeah, they were out there, you know, and this is, like, midwinter. I mean, we were – I legit have videos of us in, like, 50-foot wow, swells. Dude. Like, our boat is getting rocked wow, left and right. Like, man. the classic videos you see on Instagram, whatever. Like, I would lift through that, and I was, what, 22 years old at the time. Like, Adrenaline's I'm like, what is rushing, going on? Bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you're out on a SAR case and now you need to launch the helicopter, not okay. in 50 foot swells because you have to, you have limits, you have, but right. there I am, the little small guy in a yellow suit, dude, bringing them in and I'm watching a helicopter just land and take off from me trying to go search for these people. And I was like, wow. all right, this is the this job is, I want. Badass. This is, this is the job I want. I don't yeah. need to be the guy signaling. I want to right. be the guy in that cockpit. But you so. kind of have to go through that to kind of see if Correct. you wanted to do that. Yeah. So it's a play, it played out in its, in its role. Like that's really cool. When you said overturned, uh, when you said overturned, that means that the boat flipped over, like it's upside down. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it was upside down. Um, I don't remember the case in its full details, but yeah, I mean the the members ended up passing away. I mean, oh, Bering Sea winter time, yeah, like I yeah. think the survivability rate. And I mean, I might be wrong, but it's somewhere within like within a couple of minutes, your body goes in full hypothermic state, yeah, and you're you're just drowning or freezing up in a second. So. We were doing our best to just recover and trying to find stuff of the boat. You know, a lot of a lot of times, if the person isn't found alive, it's more closure for the families if you end up finding yeah. someone that you know. Yeah. Um. But that's what we were out there to do, man. I mean, yeah, midwinter time. You know, that was that. Just watching this plane take off and land, seeing the guys shut down the aircraft, and all of a sudden you're like, they come out in their flight suits, and you're just like, dang, that's what I. Yeah. <laughs> that's where I want to be. That, that's yeah. that's total total movie i mean you get that feeling when you watch top gun right you get that feeling when you watch any aviation movie pilots coming out of their flight suit and you just like that feeling that it gives you is just you want to you feel like you belong in that uniform in that flight deck or in that cockpit in the flight deck so that's that's really cool story to, to share because that aspect i didn't know too like after high school you know you like you said you went to connecticut and i remember seeing your instagram stories i remember you mentioned the harry potter thing i remember one time you posted it was like a snowstorm up yep. there and out of your window i don't know you were like in one of the high floors in that place dude it looked like <laughs> it was in, like something i've never seen before yeah. obviously from here we're from oh, florida yeah. Oh, yeah. but I thought it was, I think it's a really cool experience that you went to go do that because one, it, you're out of your comfort zone. Two, I'm sure there are things that you learned. You're already, you're already a dif- disciplined person, right? In order for you to achieve the basketball success that you, that you did, that doesn't just come without any discipline. Like, yes, you have talent, but if you don't put hard work in, like people don't notice that. People don't want to recruit somebody who just has talent talent and, and isn't going to put the work in the discipline because at the end of the day, it's also leadership. Mm-hmm. So you, you showed both of those roles. Do you, what would you say? Did you learn anything during the Academy, during that boot camp? They said that they, they build you, they broke you down and built you back up. Was there anything that you saw very advantages or it helped you out with your discipline 
and how do you apply today with with what you do now in the Coast Guard as a pilot and also with your fitness? Yeah, I mean, like like you said, like these these core values or even just like you mentioned, the, the discipline, I would say is it's something that either you're taught either coming from, you know, when you're when you're a kid, depending, mm-hmm. you know, how you're how you're raised as, as with your parents. Um, like for me, I was very blessed to have, you know, my parents kind of live that strict kind of lifestyle. I mean, not that my parents were anything crazy, but yeah. um, definitely the type of parents that are like, Hey, every Sunday morning, you're cleaning your room type of stuff, right. you know, like, right. Hey, you're going to go clean your room on Sunday before you go outside and yes. play. Yes. You know? So I would say that's like the building block. Number one, like where you're raised, where, where your, your family, the, how they determine what type of person you're going to, I think it starts from where your parents yeah. um, raise you. So, and then obviously kind of like your school, the extracurricular activities, who you involve yourself around, mm-hmm. I think is mainly part number two. Um, as you kind of grow up as a human is, hey, who do you surround yourself with? What kind of sports are you in? Um, I think for me, obviously, being around basketball, I had an older and a younger brother. So having the mentor and leadership role of an older brother teaching me the certain things. Yeah. And then also at a, he was more of at a disadvantage because when he would do the things wrong, then I'm already learning. And then it's getting pushed out on my younger brother. So <laughs> you kind of get that like, you know, you have that larger mentor, then you have the younger brother and then you're right. teaching him. So, yeah. but I think luckily my brothers were always uh, very involved in, in, in fitness. So my older brother, I mean, he always the type of guy to be in the gym, right. um, was the one that taught me how to play basketball. Um, and he also was kind of the one that always pushed me to be the kind of the best one. And then on top of that, my parents, mainly more so my mom than my dad, um, was the one that was on my ass. Always like, let's really? go outside, let's go, oh, wow. I'll catch your rebounds. Um, I mean, I remember having bad games and looking up in the crowd and my mom, I would even look at my coach. I would just look at my mom and like, she's got this face. Like if I had played bad, dude, that drive home was absolutely the worst, miserable, (laughs) worst experience I've ever had in my life. I can't remember if I would get grounded, but it was like those types of things where, you know, you remember that as a kid and you never want to disappoint. So it was more of like. I'm trying to be the best. What do I do to take, you know, be the best? So the building block and in basketball, it's, you know, it's that sport where if you just go a week without even practicing, like that hand-eye coordination kind of, you know, goes down. down. So, but yeah, I guess to kind of fast forward and, and I've always maintained that and then playing basketball and then playing in college, it was also the balance between living a military lifestyle, going to go play sports. So you only had limited time to practice. Imagine a military academy. You had, was called the planet a day. You would wake up at six o'clock to Reveille, which is like the classic movie, like like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You're wake. We would legit wake up to that. That was our wake up call at 6 AM every single day at the at the Coast Guard Academy. Worse than the iPhone alarm. It was. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Oh, geez. Um, so then you're having this whole day of, you know, of classes and you're trying to balance, you know, the nutrition aspect of it, the sleep aspect of it. I mean, like I said, again, like the whole academic portion of me was more mainly a struggle because here I am at 2 a.m. still like grinding out on homework and I'm like, I don't want to fail this class. Like, yeah. I got a game tomorrow. Yeah. So like, there you am, like, there you are trying to like eat the right foods, but you're only getting served this type of food, um, which was kind of a downfall at one point in my career, like playing basketball and trying to manage the whole military thing and where it's kind of where I tore my ACL playing basketball. That was a whole nother, that's a whole nother story, but right. trying to balance like, you know, the, the, the mental aspect of it, the health aspect of it, the whole learning to be a, you know, military officer while playing sports. Um, so yeah. And carrying that forward, the whole discipline, like you were mentioning is, is, is learning more so how to manage your time, knowing that you could wake up at a certain time and do this focus on that. 
what's the next step? All right, one, one moment at a time. Like people, like my biggest saying is always trust the timing of your life. But right. people are always like, hey, what are you going to do in the future? I do plan for the future. Yes. But I'm more of like, hey, let's live in the moment now. That's awesome. Let's figure this out now. Yeah. So do this now. Go to work. Do Go to work. All right, now we're fitness. Like now I'm fully diving into like my workout. Like there right. shouldn't be a distraction. Like yes. you see people on the phone. Granted, I'm there probably changing music. I am on my phone time to sure. time. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's normal. Then if it's those two hours of working out, then do the two hours of working out. Like don't half-ass your workout. Right. And then the recovery portion of it, I mean, I won't talk much because I'm not the best person of recovering <laughs> after my, but I'm doing a better job. And as we yeah. get older, you start feeling the pain. Yes. You start, so, yeah. and I think you do a good job of that. And I'd be curious to ask you of like, what's the, you know, the recovery portion of it. But like you said, it's the discipline of like segmenting your day doing the things that are important at that time and then move on with whatever's next, move on to the next day, move on to the next task. Like doing the small things first. And then I think as you chip away, then I don't know what my end result is will be in my life. Right. But I think ultimately, I don't know, maybe it's just a healthier lifestyle, healthier relationship with family, friends, um, right. keeping those relationships. But yeah, I think it's mainly like the discipline portion of it. And like I said, yeah, segmenting your day is important. Yeah. I think that's, that's really, really well said because a lot of the times you, you think back, right? You're older, you think back and you're like, damn, when I was 22, 23, I did all of this. There's no way I could do that right now. Mm -hmm. But that you, uh, people usually create like a limiting belief in that. Like y you can't do that now. Yes, you can. The thing is you were the, your priorities were a little bit different when you were younger, but segmenting your day, like how you just mentioned is very important. So a lot of the times, and, and here's where it's a little bit different in the, in the, in the aviation worlds we're in, but in the civilian airline world, I get a lot of questions or, and a lot of statements saying, oh, I can't do as many things as I used to before. Yes. Granted, there are things that probably take priority. You have kids, you're a homeowner or something. You're, there's always something that's going to pop up that you have to take care of. But with proper or at least some sort of scheduling or some sort of segmenting to dedicate a certain amount of time, there is time. If you think about a 24-hour day, the amount of time that you'd use to sleep, eat, work, you still have a couple hours left to engage in anything else that you need to take care of. And even if you make 30 minutes of that portion of time, you're doing something more towards your health. So I think it's really, really uh, important and crucial what you just said, not just to segment, but I kind of like what you also mentioned about saying you're not living too much in the future. You're also just taking it as the segment goes. Mm -hmm. So you try to make the most of whatever is in the present in the moment, but also not forgetting about the future. Sometimes, and, and you know, that works really well. Sometimes I have a little bit of a hard time because I plan too much in the future. Mm -hmm. And I talked about this a couple of years ago on an Instagram video where when you plan so much and you plan so tight and according, your plan has to be like exactly the same. It never works. It does it, not. <laughs> it The majority yeah. of the time, it does not work. One little thing that will back you up will, will throw off the rest of your day. And now you've, now the psychological part comes where like, you feel like you didn't get everything done. You get a little bit of anxiety because you probably said, Oh, well shit, I need to finish this. Then you end up going to sleep late, which messes up your sleep, which, you know, it, carries on from the, the day by day. So it's really important to have that flexibility as you mentioned. I'm really glad that you mentioned that. Focus on what you have now and what you can do. Plan also a little bit for what what you think you are also able to do, but don't forget about including that 
exercise or that time for nutrition, right? Because for meal prep too, you dedicate time to have good, nutritious, healthy food later on in the day or in the week, mm -hmm. which is, I think it's really, really important as well. So, so tell me a little bit about the aircraft that you fly now. Tell me what your schedule looks like and how do you fit, because I, I see you in the gym quite often, how do you fit fitness in what your schedule is and how does it benefit you while you're flying? Because your missions are sometimes way different than what an airline pilot experiences. Yeah. Um, and I, I think even just circling back, maybe just a little bit um, earlier to the aircraft I'm at now. So um, obviously we have to go through Navy flight school to get to where, where I'm at now. And um, it all depends on kind of what aircraft you're flying. Obviously, um, the aircraft I fly now, it's the, the CN 235, it's the ocean century. So, um, you know, high wing twin engine turboprop aircraft and fits about, it depends on how you configure the aircraft. Yeah. Um, we could fit, you know, usually we do logistics flights. So we can carry a bunch of cargo if needed. Um, but mainly our aircraft is designed for six people to do the mission. Um, but it's, I mean, it's not a passenger aircraft, like how you fly, you know, um, but we mainly, you know, you can get up, you can stretch your legs. It's not yeah. like the helicopter. That was one distinguishing factor that I was like, oh, maybe I don't want to fly the helicopter because <laughs> you can get up, you can use a restroom. Yeah. It's long flights. We have a little crock pack back oh, there. Cool, we can cool, turn cool. on a little oven. So we kind of do those stuff, which maybe wow. isn't necessarily the, so there's a healthy aspect to it because you can get up and stretch your legs, but right. we could also go in the back and then there's guys cooking, there's guys, you know, cooking meals and, 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 and it's, it's all fun and, and yeah. morale, but mainly more for long flights. But, um, but it depends on what aircraft you're flying. So I flew the T6 going through through flight school. That um, fun so that plan. that you don't have a restroom. You're right. flying to you're pulling G's. And I mean, this is an aircraft that you're pretty much kind of thrown into a Navy flight school. You're oh, wow. you're um, I mean, you go from a Cessna 172 to a T6 like like what's the, a right, what's your right right yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so imagine that first you set takeoff power. Dude, um, and, incredible. and that was, so you would actually have to meet, meet with a nutritionist. It was a class that we had and they were talking oh, wow. about the types of foods you should and should not avoid. Mm -hmm. Um, I would try, like, look, trying to think back and jog my memory. I can't remember if it was because, Hey, we want you to live a healthy lifestyle or it was mainly because people would get sick and doing aerobatics and, oh, you know, pulling G's. Wow. A lot of my, my buddies that fly the, you know, the plane I fly now would get air sick flying the T6. Luckily, yeah. so the first time I ever flew an aircraft was, I think, the only time I ever thrown up. Thank okay. God, because, yeah. I mean, there was one time I did get queasy, but, yeah. I mean, yeah, dude, you're, you're like I said, 172 to a T6. Oh, my God, um, yeah, dude. I think when I flew aerobatics on that first aircraft, I had probably only had 30 hours total wow. time. And I mean, you're flying simulators. So if you had the simulators, probably Ooh, double you, that. But yeah, yeah, but still. I mean, you, I think it was five flights total, three simulator events. And my dad always laughs about this because he's like, you're out there doing what flying an airplane doing this and right, that right. yeah dude i mean i have videos of me doing you know barrels you know you know with like loops. 50 hours with 50 <laughs> hours dude it was it's the craziest thing That's ever badass, um man. and then yeah then you transition to the t44 so it's kind of the, the it's a king air so oh cool um and that's where you are you start getting used to the whole hey i'm gonna stretch my legs yes. i can get up use yeah. the restroom um but yeah the, the aircraft i fly now um, that I mentioned. So yeah, we, we mainly go out and we do law enforcement. We go out and do search and rescue. Like I have, like I was telling you, I have duty in a couple hours. So right. mainly, yeah, we stand duty. We're kind of just waiting for the call here in Miami. It's so busy. It's so crazy. Um, just because there's always going, there's always a guy on a boat. 
Or there's always someone, I mean, unfortunately, trying to get right. to the United States, especially yeah. here from Cuba, Haiti. So we deal with a lot of that. Um, so we're out there either saving lives or we're just kind of enforcing the law of making sure, you know, people aren't coming through here illegally. Right. Um, so to, to balance, you know, the long flights with the nutrition, um, I would say you, like I said, we were just talking about it, segmenting, segmenting those days and right. what you're actually going to be eating. Um, unfortunately, sometimes you can't eat, you know, the best of meals, but right. at least you got to try your best, you yeah. know? Um, I think you had mentioned before, certain guys will just, you know, eat stuff, whatever's in the airport. We right. don't have, I wouldn't call it the luxury, but I mean, we have a cafeteria, mm-hmm. um, where people cook our meals for us. Sometimes it isn't the healthiest, but, okay. um, I would say subs- trying to find substitutes to eat something that's a little bit healthier that meets your criteria for what you're trying to achieve. I think is, is critical to what health you want to sustain in the long term. So if that's a salad, if that's, you know, intermittent, intermittent fasting. So that's kind of the route I've been going through recently okay. is like, let me try this intermittent fasting early in the morning. See how that affects with my energy and stuff like that. Um, but everyone's different. That's, right. the, that's the right, thing right. I'm learning is that despite, and regardless of who you follow through social media, who you follow on YouTube, everyone's going to have their own technique. Yeah. Everyone's going to have their own strategy. Everyone's going to have the type of meal that you should eat. Everyone's like, go keto because this is going to do this. Go vegan. Cause it's, yeah. I think you should just focus on what makes you feel good. Right. If you're dragging ass throughout the day, you're probably eating something that's not helping you, right. you know, in, in or in, probably in, not eating uh, enough of enough of exactly. Yeah. So find that balance. I, and I think you, you know, you, that's definitely your, uh, that's your field and that's what you're getting. But for me, I think because I don't know much of, you know, the, Hey, the nutritional aspect and right. I've been introduced to classes. I been follow certain people, but I think you need to figure out what works best for you. And then, then it also plays a factor in how you're flying. Like yeah. here I am, I, I probably will get launched. I mean, I'll knock on wood this time. Cause I don't want to get launched at two in the morning, but we yeah. do. We, it's not like airline flying where you have a schedule. You're like, Hey, you're going to be flying from 8 PM. If it's a red eye, 8 PM right. to let's say two in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. I legitimately get called while I'm in bed and sleep. It's not the best sleep. Cause you're kind of on the lighter end. You're not at home. Right. You're, you're sleeping on base and yeah, your radio's going off. Hey, launch, you know, the ready 144 is what we call it. Okay. And this is like at two, three, four in the morning. And you got to start thinking, all right, What's the case? So they tell you, all right, there's people in the water. What gear do I need to bring? How, you know, wh- where am wow. I flying to? What's the weather? And you're thinking about this yeah. at this, on the second. As so, you wake up. Yeah. Huh? If I'm eating a fat hamburger at 9 p.m., <laughs> what am I going to feel like at, you know, 2 in the morning? So oh, yeah. it's, it's critical to know kind of what I'm eating, kind of what I'm doing on duty. So that's important to me is like what's going to be able to allow me to keep up. And now that I'm the aircraft commander is – I'm making those decisions. I'm directing the mission. Wow. Like the yeah. co-pilot, when I was a co-pilot, I was like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'll go out and fly. If I'm a little tired, the guy in the left's got it, you right. know? Yeah. Or we interchanged. I could be sitting in the right today too, but either or, um, it's important to, you know, have that mental clarity. And I feel like the nutrition, what you put in your body allows you to be more clear, conscious and, and, and direct, I don't know, it, just the way you just have more situational awareness. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think above all, it's the nutrition that's going to give you that uh, enhanced and improved situational awareness, mental clarity, specifically at that time, right? You're talking about those those calls at 2, 3 in the morning. Lives are on the line. Like, w- that's one. Two, wh- whatever you need to do, it's your sa- the safety of yep. your lives, too. Mm-hmm. Because you're waking up and you're trying to do a mission that requires a high degree of attention during your lowest point of circadian rhythm, right? 
2 to 4 or 5 in the morning is the point where your body is at its lowest in the circadian rhythm where you have probably the lowest body temperature, the lowest heart rate. You're in if if you do are getting some sort of sleep, you're probably in deeper phases of sleep which is a lot harder to re, like start awakening from. And so that already is a challenge on its own. And as you mentioned, if you ate if your nutrition was bad previous prior to that, it's going to be even harder to overcome that tough challenge already because your body is not only fighting waking up in times that it's normally sleeping, but also digesting, processing all that new, all that food that you had, that it's probably not the best for you. Now you probably won't feel that if you constantly eat bad, but the problem is, is that your body is used to that. So just think about how much more efficient, how much more of an improved cognitive and physical performance you will have if you just, uh, if people were to change their nutrition habits. But I'm now, now I'm kind of curious. Do, are people's nutrition habits in, I guess, in the in, in the Coast Guard or, or or in your unit? From what you could see, do they have? Is there bad habits or is it mostly kind of like what you're saying, how, how you do? Yeah, I, I wish. I mean, I'm not trying to throw on your one under the bus. I mean, um, it, it depends, man. I, I think um, so for us, we don't have any physical fitness exams. I think it depends on what um, what field you work in. If you're more on the tactical, like we have kind of the equivalent of Navy SEALs um, in the Coast Guard, the MSSRT, MSS, uh, MSST. These are guys that are, you know, you know, kicking down doors or, you know, going on boats overseas, doing the anti-terrorism, anti-drug, anti like just a bunch of anti-anything. So they're the ones that need to be physically fit. And you're like, yeah. oh, that makes sense. Like right, right. they're the guys wearing the gear, you know, mm-hmm. with the guns, you know, yeah, they should be fit. But I would argue pilots need to be the same exact way. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, that's yeah. There are people that aren't in the best physical shape uh, right, in right. in the military in itself. But I see it more so on my field, the aviation world. Um, but yeah, we have weigh-ins. That's really our only measure. Okay. They're like, hey, if you are this height and this weight, and you're you know meeting the mark, that's good. No one's asking you. No one's testing your ability you're to like terminate yeah. and shit. Right. Um, right. I would say the second test is mainly, and I, I guess we, is you do a swim test every year, I believe. Yeah, every okay. year, every six. I think it's every year. So, but you're you're swimming, you're doing like survival at sea. You're fly, you're swimming with your with your boots and your flight suit, um, and you kind of hop into a life raft. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know if you're un, if you're not physically fit, you wouldn't be able to do that. Right. Some people definitely, you know. But yeah, you look around and you're like, man, you could. <laughs> You could probably, you know, make better choices, make better choices. Right, right, right. right. Um, so unfortunately, no, I mean, I, I wish I would be able to say, yeah, everyone, you know, in the military or in the Coast Guard aviation realm is 100 percent fit. I yeah. would say people do include workouts throughout their day or try right. to do a better job. But right. it's I mean, I guess maybe I'm just a little different. I just decide that fitness for me is extremely important and I like to work out and that's a right. huge part of my day. And I like to look a certain way, maybe. Um, especially down here in Miami, it's all about, you know, how you look. So, um, but yeah, in all reality, I, I do wish I, I could say that yes, hundred percent everyone on the coast guard, but it's not, unfortunately it's uh yeah, there's people that don't make the best decisions through their fitness and they're looking a certain way. Their health deems to be a certain way. I don't know, obviously know about how their health conditions right. are, but yeah, you yeah. know, just from the outside looking in, you're like, eh, you know, right. You probably do right. hit the gym once or yeah. twice throughout the week. Yeah. I, I totally think that it's, you know, even even us that we're trying to be in optimal shape all the time, because 
of all the things that you mentioned, right? We're trying to we're trying to improve the efficiency of our body from within so that everything works as at its best capacity for when we most need it. You never know when you're mostly going to need it in some sort of uh, emergency that happens in the aircraft or it could be just walking outside your house, who knows. But it's it's really important to have that physical and nutritional aspect to work for your body from within. And then the physical results are obviously, yeah, they're, they're great, but it's a result of you taking care of your body um, and making it function as best as it can. But just even though you and I are, 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 are value fitness and nutrition very highly, we still, it's not like all we eat is super healthy food 100% of the time, right? Like we go out, we have beers, we have drinks, we yeah. eat, you know, like burgers and, and, you know, chicken wings and all that shit. Do we do it all the time? No. So I think that there, there, there is a balance and for everybody it's different how you mentioned. So for everybody it's different and depends on what you value and how highly you value it. The most important part I think, and, and why I want to share this in this episode with you is because you just took on just recently the role of commander, right? And I think that whether you were a commander or before the the shape that you're in people look and value that because they're like well shit if he could do it uh, i gotta probably step it up and, and and do something because i have no excuse now i saw someone who is in incredible shape feels incredible makes good decisions to eat and the and and what are they going to do they're going to ask you they're going to ask you, hey, what do you do? What do you recommend? So now you not only are, are an aircraft commander where you're leading and guiding everyone and, and, and mentoring everyone inside the aircraft, but also in outside aspects of their of their lives. And if you can, if you influence someone just one little bit in terms of how important it is to have health and fitness, that's going to get passed on to somebody else. And now you, by influencing one person, have influenced now 10 Yep. And, and I think that's one of the most important things that aside from discipline for yourself, you actually get to mentor other people because they look up to that. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's it's a fantastic thing that, that you are able to still. I mean, I remember when I was in high school and dude, I would look at your brother and I'll be like, damn, <laughs> I need I, I have a long way to go to look like this, dude. But then you were right behind them on that. I'm like, damn, I need got a long way to go like, like Ricky. And then your little bro, yep. dude, like like obviously you guys genetically have mm-hmm. gr- great genes. But without that hard work, it, you know, it won't it, th- th- those genes are, are whatever. They won't flourish how, how they have. And, and I think it's really cool that you have that aspect from your family that's into fitness. I know your dad's pretty, pretty fit too. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are things that play into how you said that child development, that teenage development that have led you to this discipline. And it's hard to see the other side because we grew up in that fit, fitness, you know, family. So we, we, we would think like, oh, dude, why would I not like? work out today why would i not do some sort of movement why would i not do some sort of cardio some sort of why would i put this bad stuff in my body and i think over the years since i started you know fit aviators club i've noticed that the psychological aspect is the biggest thing people know that what they're doing is probably not the best but it fulfills some sort of psychological human need 
And at the end of the day, we will do whatever it takes to fulfill a need, whether it's a good, uh, whether it's a good choice or a bad choice, it will fulfill a need. So um, we obviously want to fulfill needs, making the best choices. But if we don't value that choice in a, in a certain degree or to a certain importance to you, it's not going to be enough for you to want to meet that need via the healthy means. And so I think that's well, that's one of the things that people is are it's it's often overlooked and now that you know we're we're in these different roles in this stage of in aviation we're only you're you're what 28 um, yeah 29 28, 28. 29, yeah. okay and i'm 30 and like we have a, a long career ahead so now thinking about well how are we going to maintain our fitness 30 plus more years. Yeah. Your dad has done a fantastic job. My dad has done a fantastic job, but now things are changing. The nutrition is not the same what it used to be before. So now we're in a different uh, stage in life or a stage in, in, in how just how this generation is going to stay fit throughout the rest of their lives because yeah. the psychological aspects that come from Instagram in, instant gratification the psychological aspects from what you see on YouTube and what you see from these people who say, eat this, eat that. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's, it's really all about what you mentioned before. You got to find what works best for you. Trial and error is a long process, but it's probably a great process for you to find out what really works. So I want to know what, how has your fitness changed from maybe within the past five to six years and how you think your fitness will be, later on down the road will you shift your training into something else because i certainly have to a more conserving your body yeah. kind of thing so how about you how do you see your fitness in in the future um i mean i think it's longevity man i think you want to i think that's i would hope everyone's goal is to live as long as as they possibly can <laughs> i mean i think you hear hey yeah you know the the age you know till you die is gone you know maybe shifted right a little bit which is great for us i mean if whatever we're consuming or what we're putting in our bodies allowing us to live a longer and healthier life 100 percent, i'm going to do whatever it takes to do that um i think like you mentioned you hit it right on the head it's 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 like we talked about earlier it's the building blocks then there's the genetics portion of it mm -hmm. which could either help you or hurt you right. um but i feel like and and once again you said this so there's resources out there there's yeah. so many resources i mean it's not Depends on how you use it too. I mean, I, I'll be a hypocrite if I'm not saying, "Hey, I'm following this guy or girl right, on Instagram yeah. because I'm like, dang, they look great. Like right, I'm trying yeah. to like live or look something like that." Um, I think it depending on who you follow and what you look out content that you use. Right. Um, I use a certain app that breaks down specifically every mm -hmm. day movement um, and allows me to kind of just categorize my workouts. And because me, I mean, more robotic because I'm military. Like yeah. like living in more of a structure, it helps me kind of. People are different. And like I said, that's, that's the thing I think we're alluding to. Everyone's different depending on how you do it. But yeah, I've definitely changed my training um, because I used to be the type of person that would go to the gym, no discipline, kind of just because my brother did it, because my dad did it. Wow. I'm just going to show yeah. up and whatever it takes. <laughs> yeah. I was the one kid in high school. You know, I thought I was the one popular kid. Whatever it took for me to look good, get the girls, that's right. what it took. Yeah. You know, I was no, no justification to why I was yeah, working exactly. out a certain yes, way. exactly. Probably just strictly upper body, chicken legs. Probably why I still got little legs because I didn't do it from the beginning. Right, me too, man. Me now too. I'm finally doing legs yes. and I'm like, this is why have I not done this yes. though this is my life? I think my injury set me back a little bit. 
Um, but overall, I think that's where I started f <clears throat> determining that if you fine tune your exercises, your movements, the things that you kind of do, um, because of my injury, I was like, I mean, it was an ACL injury. I had to relearn how to walk. It wasn't like, Oh, okay. Let's go back in the gym day one. No. Right. Um, and that was very interesting. And, and I don't wish an injury on anyone, you know, it's especially an ACL or an Achilles or something where you can't walk. Oh, yeah. Jeez, it's the worst, but certain injuries will teach you so much about your body that you still, that you would not even believe. Um, so there I was breaking it down. You know, I will never forget. I walked into a physical therapy session. The guy's like, why are you limping? And I was like, what are you talking about? Like you think you're doing things a certain right. way yeah. Yeah. until someone calls you out or sees you from a different perspective. And they're like, why are you doing it that way? So subconscious. So subconscious, yeah. you know, and that's how we are as humans. You know, yeah. you're thinking you're doing all the things the right <laughs> way you're looking, you know, and I'm probably doing things wrong just now. But like yeah. I said, whatever fits me is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And then maybe at some point, yeah, maybe I'll reach out. To, and we've talked about it. Like, Hey, let's, why don't you coach me or like help me yeah. do something? Because it's always good either. Number one, have a friend, someone to talk to, but also right. like, Hey, if you're on this journey together to be, fit why continue not continue yes. so um but i've done more so i've switched more to functional workouts at one point i was working with f45 i don't know mm -hmm. if you were if you're familiar with them yeah. but um it's more yeah like training your whole body right. um at one point i was like how sustainable is this is it injury prone i i got to a point where I, covid hit and i stopped mm -hmm. doing that yeah but i would say my workouts have transitioned more to focusing on like more overall body workouts less less weight yes I used to like, I don't know, dude, I don't know what's heavy now or who's putting up what, but I think my older brother was like, oh, I was on the inclined bench. I put one tens dumbbells on each side and he's Holy like, bro, my shoulder, shit. like, right, yeah. I'm like, well, what do you expect? What do you expect? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. for me, I'm very, um, I, I like machines better Okay. for me. I think it's because it keeps you out. You're not prone to like, like, for example, I, I can't remember last time I legitimately benched like yeah. bench press because right. you don't know like what you're tweaking. Right. You're putting right. more right on your left. So I like a machine that's probably more balanced. I don't know if it's better for me, but I think consciously I'm like, I know I'm not going to tweak something if I'm yes. pushing harder on the other side. I feel like right. a machine. So I'm a fan more so of machines, cables, dumbbells, very light, depending on what workout I'm doing. But yeah. ultimately I think machines, cable machines, those all keep you in balance. Mm -hmm. But I'm doing more functional, less weight, um, longer reps. I do cardio in the beginning, maybe sometimes cardio at the end. Okay. Um, something to maintain my heart rate high, somewhere yeah. between the 140s, 150s. Okay. Um, supersets. That's I'm a huge oh, fan of supersets. I like supersets. I like doing supersets, and because you're constantly moving, yes. you know, you're constantly yeah. going. You're not sitting there. And I set one minute timers, 47, 45 second timers. Right. So I'm constantly like I keep it like within the hour i don't i used to go two hours now i'm like all i need is an hour and right, then maybe yeah. after the end then maybe a little bit do a little bit of abs core yeah. work yeah um but that's it like we were talking about how much time does it take to work out an hour you could even do it less than that depending on how hard you, how go. Hard you go yeah yeah. yeah. um so that's yeah. kind of the way and i i hope that's how i can sustain i think as i grow older i realize it's not about the weight that i'm putting up right it's all yeah. about that's past that's gone. moving right. function yeah. around you know yeah. so um, I have a buddy that, I mean, he's, I swear, he's like the replica of an Australian shepherd dog. He has, owns an Australian shepherd. And the only reason I'm saying because the guy has so much energy, but yeah. he goes, works out in the morning, go walks his dog, runs his dog, goes to the gym. Holy he's that shit. type of person. Right. But, and you look at him and he's extremely shredded. And I'm like, wow. Like, I mean, shout out to Aaron. That's who, my boy, Aaron. But like. Aaron, the, the guy that I ran to yes, in, yes. in Chicago. The guy's oh, extremely shout fit. out to that boy. Yeah. Yeah. But like <laughs> the man is nonstop energy and it's great. Yeah. But I'm like, we were on deployment together. He's like, I'm going to go walk 
on the treadmill right now because I want to just move. And I'm like, I don't, this is like, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to go move yet. I have my time. My body knows, you know, but yeah. Like I said, everyone's different. And then, but I, yeah, to answer your question, I think longevity for me is important. I think functional workouts are important. And like the way I've done, done it, less weight, more reps, keep your heart rate up. And then I usually work out on average five to six times a week. Wow. I try and do, you know, um, one day off. It's not because it's a Sunday because it's a, it's like when my body determines tells that you. I tells, tells me, yep. feel like I know it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in regards to the nutritional aspect, like, I mean, I try to consume the healthiest foods that I try to yeah. get. Um, I try not to use as much supplements. I used to be a big, like protein work, you know, after, after, yeah. after a workout, pre-workout before mm-hmm. dude. I mean, maybe because my girlfriend was like, Hey, cut the pre-workout stuff. Like, don't you, so I'm like, okay, babe, it was more like, but then I start realizing, I'm like, why am I putting this stuff in my body? Like, what is it doing to me? Um, I think mainly it was making me numb. Like I could put up more weight. Like I was like, oh, like, but I don't know what's in that stuff. So I've been, the supplements I take now are more of like, I'm supposed I'm consciously knowing what I'm putting in my body. Right. I'm a huge fan of mushrooms, like okay. talking about reishi, cordyceps, wow. uh, turkey tail. Um, and I use like calcium, magnesium for recovery right. late at yes. night. Yes. Um, but I pick, I handpick those supplements because I feel like that's what's worked best for me. It's more for cognitive immunity. Um, just kind of knowing what I'm putting in my body vice you know, you, I'm sure you look at the back of a pre-workout and everything that reads like it's, I don't know if it's Chinese or chemical, it sounds chemical like I'm like, I'm good. I don't, I don't need that anymore. So that's, I think functional wise, workout wise and supplement wise, that's how I'm trying to transition later on to the future. It's only been short term. I think within the last year and a half, that's what I've been targeting. Right. We'll see how it goes, but that's, that's my recommend. It's like, know what you're putting in your body, especially if you're taking supplements, like know what you're putting in there because a lot of the times, I mean, perfect example, and sorry, long John, but <laughs> dude, I was taking a pre-workout my junior year of college and I felt amazing. I think I was peak, like, I mean, I was getting big and yeah. I was like, like, I was like, this is how I like school went on. I wasn't working out as my basketball. Usually when basketball came back in session, I wasn't lifting as crazy. Right. And, and, yeah. and um, yeah. but then I was like, oh, damn, I like that pre-workout. What was that? So I went on online to look it up. It was banned, dude. It had like some Holy sort of. Shit, who knows dude. what and I ended up getting so that's a that's a type of right. thing and as a younger person you know you see especially with social media i think when i was a younger guy in high school i always looked up to the bigger kids i was like i want to be big like that right. kid right i can only imagine what the gen z or like the young kid because i work out we work at the same gym there's right. a lot of young there's a younger crowd that and there's some kids they're like yeah. oh damn you're kind of big but you're right. like I remember when I was their age, I was putting whatever it took in my body to look like a 29, 30 year old person. Right. We don't understand that when we're younger, no. you're willing to put whatever it takes in your body. Right. I hope that what I put in my body doesn't have long-term effects, but now that I'm more conscious, I'm like, hopefully it tailored tailors it in a different route, but right. you just never know. I, I feel like you always want to put something to look bigger. I mean, I remember kids on growth hormones and stuff yeah. like that. When we were in high yeah. school. Luckily I never went down that route yeah. or the steroid route, but right. it's like, you can look big. You can be strong without putting craziness in your body. Right. Um, my girlfriend probably listened to this. She's like, what are you talking about? Like you, the other day you're like taking priority. You're like, oh, but I, I think my mentality has thankfully shifted to be like, I don't right. need that type of stuff. That to, gradual shift. Gradual shift to then feel like you need to go to the gym cracked out and be like, I can, can go and put whatever weight I want because right. I'm on this supplement. Yeah. You know, that placebo effect of yeah, yeah. knowing what you're, what this randomness you're putting in your body. So I'm being a little bit more, 
regimented on what I'm taking, regimented on my workouts, and yeah. we'll see. Like I think long long term, I would like to be that seventy year old dude, sixty year old dude, still good look muscle good mass, muscle mass. Good like, like mass, I mean, good. yeah, like yeah. I mean, I'm not married yet. I don't have kids. I don't have a home to home yet. Like, there's a lot of changes that are yet to happen in my life. Yes. But like we were just talking about, it's the building blocks. Like as long as you're yeah. there, like yeah. day one, then I hope that carries forward. I think that I feel like if we ever sit down on a week, like we could probably sit on a couch for a week and yeah. just be like, we'll be fine with it. I mean, I'm right. about to go on a 10 day vacation in a couple of days. Yeah. My girlfriend's already asking, are we going to go work out? And I'm like, ah, I mean, we'll see. Yeah. we'll see. We'll figure it out. Right. I'm sure at some point my body be like, let's go, Yo, dude. Yeah. Like, come on, bro. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's what helps if you start the building blocks now, yeah. then your body will realize, Hey, you're not, but you also said it early and you hit it right on the head. It's like some people th- know that they're making the wrong decision and don't work. They don't find the way to, Get you to know, where they, yeah. so I feel like that's how your podcast, man. I mean, I think, and I think the, what you're targeting and what you're trying to bring together. And that's kind of mainly why I wanted to hop on this podcast. It's like, yeah. you're trying to reach an audience that mainly probably doesn't needs that extra push you know yeah i mean i saw recently when you were over at your training camp for american airlines that you're pushing these dudes that they don't look like they're in the greatest shape ever yeah and maybe they are maybe they're working towards it but they need that guidance that coach to be like hey man like what do i do like you'd be very surprised like you think because like you said it you and i because we've started young right you're like why wouldn't you put yourself in a gym a lot of people don't know how to work out like they don't know how to work out so um, I have never taken on the role of coaching other people. I think it'd yeah. be cool if, if, if someone were to ask me and, and do it, um, obviously it'd take more time and that'd be another part of knowing how to segment your day to yes. dedicate your time to another person. Right, but, right. um, I think the way you've approached this so far, man, I think it's pretty cool that people are reaching out to you. They're like, how do you do it? Like, right. how are you a pilot? And, and you're like, well, this is what I do. Like I'm being fully transparent of like my ways like you can model it, you can alter it, but I think as long as you incorporate some sort of movement, health, right. healthy, I think important. it's going to go a long ways, man. And I think, I mean, I don't know if my podcast or another podcast, hopefully it clicks for certain people for to be some, like, yeah. you don't have to be the fit, like just do something right. like, and do something can mean a lot. Like it right. can mean you can interpret in many different ways, but I think ultimately like I could be a fit pilot and I want to live long term. I mean, like. Mm-hmm. 65 is what the retirement age for airline pilots like they were talking about 67 i think you told me you're like dude there's some dudes that are beat up like they don't look like they could fly at till 65 i look at my dad my dad was like what two more years like i could he got excited i got excited for him and then when they should fly i don't know i'm like that'd be great for guys that are what what if we can live longer to what if you want to continue because you're 65 like that's it you're cut off like and you can't pursue you know, that's crazy that for a, per, a per, you know, to, we pursue an educator, I'm sorry, we pursue a career that's so, you know, important to us and, and brings a, a livelihood to your family. Like, I mean, I mean, by 65, hopefully you have a little retirement bucket and you go retire, right. do whatever yeah. you want. Yeah, but yeah. what if you want to keep flying? Like, why exactly. not? You yeah. should be the one to determine because I'm fit, not fit enough or I feel unhealthy. I mean, that's a hard determination. I'm probably, some people are ready to listen to me like, what is this guy talking about? But I think if you could fly to 65 and you're still healthy enough to continue to, to continue do it, to go, yeah. why not? Yeah, yeah. I feel like you should. I, I, I've heard a lot of people say the same thing. Uh, if you are fit to fly after 65, I think it's, I think it's some people do, I wouldn't say deserve it, but some people are capable 
of continuing to exercise safe methods of flying because their situational awareness is still up. Their cognitive reaction is still, you know, great. Their physical status is still great. Um, and, you know, that's the, you know, the way I see fitness is not just to uh, feel that like great in the flight deck, but also in other all aspects of my life. So when I do hit 65, I don't want all this time. Look, my like our, our dads have been flying for a real long time now, over probably 20,000 plus hours, close to 30,000. I celebrated my so, thousand hour there. And I was yeah. like, my dad's probably like, congrats. Son. 30 Maybe times that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So if, if you think about sitting 30,000 hours in over, man, they probably got hired in the airlines when they were 20, 21, 22. I don't know, something like that. So you're talking about 40 years, almost 40 years sitting in an airplane, 30,000 hours of that is spent sitting. Um, not only in a, not only are you sitting, but you're sitting in an environment where there's climate change, you know, what, what, however your pressurization system works in your aircraft, there is a pressure change as well. Temperature change. Then there's also the nutrition aspect. So those factors all play that not only is it important for your situational awareness inside the flight deck, but how are you going to feel when you come home? You know, if you're in a stage where you just have like kids and they're like young and they want to play with you and, you know, you want to spend time with your spouse and you want to be able to balance all these things out. If you're not engaging in that movement and good nutrition habits, at some point that shit's going to catch up and and you're and now you're going to you're not going to be feeling good outside the flight deck. You're going to bring that kind of energy into the flight deck yeah. because things aren't going yeah. very well or vice versa or like vice bring versa it to, bring it to your home bad energy you know like your kids are like dad you don't want to play like yeah. i mean i don't know i'm not the one to talk about yeah, it but right, i can right, only right, imagine right. you know so so i think that yeah as we've transitioned through our through our phases of, of fitness from what we how we what we saw in high school right mm-hmm. there's obviously the the physical aspect we all want to look a certain way when we're young Um, and at that age, we don't really understand that what we're doing with fitness is just bettering our bodies from within. And it's such a hard concept to understand when you're young, because what you, there's certain cognitive developments that you haven't processed yet. There's experience that you haven't processed yet. And unless you grow up in, in a, in a, in an environment where that is taught to you, it's harder to come to that understanding when you're young so yeah just like you i when i was younger i was like damn i want to look like like ricky like ricky's older brother like damn you guys you guys are like you guys have a great muscle mass and great like definition that's fucking great i want that but then the the athletic aspect comes in and then you start battling well do i do i work out to look good or do i work out because i want to be an athlete and you can't like those those two, if you try to do the best of each one, you are not gonna go anywhere because yep. you're gonna get stuck in the middle and you're not gonna you're not gonna perform your best when you're an athlete, yep. right? You train for an athlete because you wanna train to be good at that sport. You do specific movements towards that sport. For me, it was baseball, for you it was basketball. So our training was a little bit different in, yep. in that sense. But as we get older now, I've transitioned within the past three years or four years to a more uh, longevity, like you mentioned, type of fitness routine. You'd look at all these athletes. Specifically, I always like to mention Tom Brady because, dude, that guy's like, what, 43? I don't know. And is throwing missiles 
whether he's on performance enhancement drugs or whatever it is, I don't know, nor do I really care because I've seen his training the way his personal trainer trains him. It's longevity based. Yeah. And like what you just mentioned, like the whole, like look alike, look like something or train like an athlete. Like you look at Tom Brady and you're like, just a tall, athletic white guy. You right, wouldn't, yeah. he, if he wasn't Tom Brady, he walked past you at a Publix or whatever. He'd be like, oh, oh it's just, some random just guy. some guy, random guy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So that training for that aspect. So now what I've been focusing on a lot is flexibility. I used to not care about flexibility because one, I'm, I have a personality where I don't want to sit still for like, if I'm in a gym, I'm like, I don't want to sit still here. Like, bro, there's machines, there's things that I got to do, workouts that I got to accomplish. But you like when it hit me was when my hips started, I naturally have very tight hips. Sitting down for a long period of time in a flight deck makes that situation a whole lot worse. So you start valuing more of, well, I don't want to feel like shit when I'm flying or when I'm walking to my overnight or when I'm on my days off because my hips are too tight. Because I don't take care of it during my training sessions. Mm-hmm. Dude, I have transitioned that now I spend, today I went to the gym, I spent 25 minutes doing a proper warm-up. And that's how it's been for the past two years of getting flexibility, dynamic flexibility before my workout routine, hitting core work, core exercises to not for like muscular development, but for core activation so that when you go lift heavier weight or do some sort of movement, you have a much stable thoracic, cervical, and lumbar spine. All those core activation techniques now has shifted from, I don't, I'm not doing this for my six pack. I'm doing this because when I go squat, I want to have great form, be stable around my spine because that's one of the most important things in your body. And then also not feel worse in my hips. So I took out the extra shit that I used to do for 25 minutes and substituted it with mm. a good proper warm up, good proper activation, good flexibility. Is this something you're doing before all your workouts or is this you're like if you're targeting a certain muscle group you're like I'm doing this specific type of 25 minute core flexibility mm-hmm. stretching. Mm-hmm. Is this something you do every single workout or yeah, every single workout and the what changes is the flexibility of the muscle group that I'm going to be exercising. So the core activation will always be there. The flexibility will always be there, but it depends whether I'm doing upper body or lower body. And then specifically, which if I'm dividing it in between two muscle groups that I'm going to be working out that day, I'll, I'll give that more of a dynamic flexibility, a focus more on it. But either way, whether I'm working out upper or lower body, I'm always stretching my hips. Because you sit down so much. One, 25 minutes a day. If you if you stretched out for 10 minutes a day, just your hips, it is you're probably not going to overcome the amount of time that you spend sitting. So your body's going to go right back to the muscular imbalance that there is in your hips when you sit. Now, unfortunately, my hips are very tight, so I suffer from that a lot. So I have to continuously keep stretching my hips i have to really 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 get down to am i going to hold this for more than 30 seconds or less than 30 seconds right because there's a time frame in where your muscles kind of it's like a reflex effect right when you when you stretch a muscle its natural tendency is to hey bring it right back before it like spreads too much and you possibly tear so it's a natural reflex right when you 
gradually stretch that muscle for over a certain period of time, your brain now starts determining, oh, we are actually creating um, elasticity. We're creating long, long, like long muscular um, extension and holding at this point. And it's kind of like in simpler terms without getting too scientific, your brain knows you're stretching. So when you hold that exercise for more than 30 seconds or that, that position for more than 30 seconds, your brain knows you're stretching, but you don't want to do that before you work out. You want to do that after. Before you work out, you want to hold it for a period of anywhere between three to five seconds, right? Because in that moment, you're now giving that, that signal, that muscular uh, neuromuscular signal of, hey, we're activating. I know you're going to do this movement of stretching and contracting. Let me prime you from when I, when I add weight to it now you now your muscle knows that movement. Now let's put some resistance on it. Okay, it's primed. It's primed and ready to go. So that has helped me significantly. I the reason why I started doing more focused on on longevity is because I had such lower back pain for like a year and I had no idea of what it was. And it was that my hip flexors were too tight and my glute medius and glute max were underdeveloped. Wow. So when I started targeting more glute muscles. So I used to like, I've always been squatting and doing all these leg workouts, but my glutes, I didn't really focus on that because I was like, ah, you know, that's like a thing that chicks do all the time. And yeah, whatever. It's so stupid to think about that, but you know, you're younger. You don't know, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. So, (laughs) so dude, I started doing a lot more glute exercises, started stretching my hip flexors and I have zero back, lower back pain. Wow. And it's because I shifted that mindset of like, this is not about being the best you can be anymore. This is not about being the best you can look anymore. This is about how you feel on a day to day. And that mindset shifted. I value things a whole lot different. And I think you and I are in that same direction because if we're going to have a 30 plus year career, we're not going to be training like if we were in high school when we're 50, <laughs> you know, oh, 100%. Yeah. And I mean, and, and like I alluded to earlier, like, I mean, I'm just listening to you and I'm like, I'm already pointing out the flaws mentally in my head where I'm like, I don't do this. I don't do that. So, yeah. and that's why I'm like, Hey, that's why reaching out to someone like you, and I know we've talked about it. It's just, and once again, there's no excuse to not be like, Hey, either we're doing it online or we're doing it in person. Right. But, um, yeah, yeah I, I would say stretching is something I definitely don't do enough. And I'm, 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 I think I'm at the point right now. And once again, knock on wood where I hope I don't go through another type of injury or start establishing lower back pain. Right. Um, you can knock like, on this. You can knock on this wood, yeah, by the way. Mar- it's fake normal. <laughs> it's fake. <laughs> that's why I've been scared to not knock on it because I'm like, oh, shit. I don't want to mess up his marble. Um, but yeah, like I feel like that's something that when I started doing it, I started getting into like yoga at one point in my like life, and I was starting to feel significant, and I was like, yeah. this feels amazing. Why yeah. don't I do more of this often? Yeah. And then you start changing your workout routine, different priorities, and then. Um, but I think, yeah, leaving this today, I'm gonna be like, Hey, I need to start stretching more. And like, I've never thought to do a 25 minute right. stretch stretching workout. routine. Yeah. yeah. You know? So, yeah, yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, Ricky, dude, thank you so much for being on today's, uh, show and the episode. It's been a pleasure talking to you. I've learned so many things about, even though our friendship has been over more than 12 years now, yeah. there's new things that I learned about you today. And it's really, really awesome that I hope this episode and what the things that you said create a positive impact for people here today and that are that are listening so dude thank you so much for being on today's show yeah absolutely thank you brother thanks for having me and it's always a pleasure so awesome